the Christian life is lived by faith. Now, the reason it's lived by faith is because life is full of uncertainty. We talked a little bit about this last week, but there is a lot of uncertainties in our life. There's a lot of things that we don't really know how it's going to go. That's what makes it uncertain. When you have a certain situation, something that you're firm in, then you, you don't worry as much. You don't really have any kind of anxiety over it. It's in the uncertainties of life that we begin to be worried, be fearful, uh, because life is full of uncertain situations. You don't know how the day tomorrow is going to be. You don't know really exactly what's going to happen in school. There are certainties in the day, like there's more than an average chance that you're going to have the same classes that you've had every Thursday for the last few weeks while you're in school. Uh, there's probably no doubt that some of you are going to have math class tomorrow and science class and history. Those are certain things that are going to happen and you already know are going to happen unless for some reason they cancel school. But within those classes, there are uncertainties. Uh, sometimes teachers like to do this, right? Sometimes they, you get into class and suddenly they'll say, all right, put your books away, get a piece of paper out. We're going to have a pop quiz. Don't you hate that, by the way? It's like, what is your problem? You know, we just got here. Um, but that happens, and it, and it was something you weren't expecting. It was an uncertainty. And you know, you know, life is full of uncertainties. This year of 2019, 2020, this school year is going to be full of uncertainties. Now, what do we do when life gets that way? What do you do with the uncertainties of life? And I told you last week about that uh, lady that was waiting for the bus, and she, she waited so long and thought about all these situations that might happen, and after an hour, she said, you know what, I'm better thought I'll just walk. And sometimes in life, that's what we do. We start thinking about all these uncertainties, and that's really what brings about in our life worry and anxiety. Sometimes it can bring depression in a person's life because all they can think of is what if, what if, what if. And all these uncertainties, what do you do with those things? Well, I want to share with you tonight that the way that you confront uncertainties in your life is by walking by faith and not by sight. Now, the Apostle Paul here is writing to the church at Corinth. And uh, if you say, man, we read those first 10 verses and I didn't understand hardly any of it. It's understandable, all right? He's talking about something that is of an uncertainty. The Corinthian church has written Paul. Uh, they've talked to Paul about things that they're wondering. They have all these questions. And one of the questions they had was, Paul, what's going to happen after we die? We are Christians. Uh, you gotta, you got to understand, Christianity had just started, all right? Jesus had just died maybe 20 years before Paul wrote this letter. All right, so Christianity is new. Not everybody knew exactly about heaven. Not everybody knew about uh, what happens after death. That was something that was very new to everyone there. And so they're writing Paul, and they're, they're asking Paul, Paul, what's going to happen? So Paul begins to explain to them, and you'll read in chapter number five when he's talking about this, uh, the, the, the word he uses, this earthly tabernacle, he's talking about your body. And he said there's going to be a point in, in which your body's going to dissolve. And if you know a little bit about biology, you know that when someone dies, right, we bury them into the earth. And over time, you basically turn into dust. Right? Uh, those that... Uh, at least your, your, your skin does, and the, most of your bones do every once in a while. You might, uh, you might as, as architects, have, or, or uh, architects, not architects, um, 
archaeologists, thank you, I couldn't think of the word, archaeologists will dig something up and find some bones of somebody, but you give it enough time and all the bones we, we all deserve. The Bible says, from the dust we were made and to dust we will return. So Paul's talking to them and he's saying, all right, our tabernacles, our bodies, the, the, what's going to happen is one day it'll dissolve, but God's going to give us a new body. And so he's explaining that to them in this chapter. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, when the earthly dissolves, then the heavenly will be given to us. And he talks a little bit about that, and really what he's talking about is the uncertainty in death. There's nobody in here, as I said last week, there's nobody in here that's not afraid of death. You ask me, Jeremy, are you afraid of death? I'm afraid of death. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know how that feels. And the reason is, is because I've never been through it. I've never experienced it. You, you, you could ask me today, you could say, uh, uh, Jeremy, are, are you, uh, are you uh, afraid of being a father? No. I've, I've got two boys already. I've gone through that experience. I, I kind of feel like I know a little bit about what I'm doing. But when you talk about I've never experienced that. I have no idea. And neither have you. And so Paul is writing about this uncertainty, and here's what he tells them. How do you do this? How do you get through that? How do you deal with that uncertainty in life? By faith. He says there in verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And something that really stands out to me, and you'll see this first of all in your notes, is the confidence that Paul had about the uncertainty of death. He's never experienced it. He's never gone through it. We don't know anybody that's been there and back. And so Paul is talking to people that are very uncertain about death. And in that uncertainty, Paul says, but I'm confident. How are you confident about something you've never been through? He said, I'm confident about it. I'll tell you, he's confident, first of all, by faith. By faith. You see, Paul was confident because he had faith, first of all, in the promises of of God. God had already promised new life. To those that put their faith in him, God has promised new life. Now, because death is final, we, we cannot go through death and come back. And so uh, the, the whole confidence comes from the fact that Paul said, I believe that what God has said, what God has promised in his word, I believe it. And God had said, because I live, you will live. Look in John chapter 14. You might not have uh, uh, you could just write it in your notes real quick. John 14, 19, Jesus said, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. And he says, Because I live, ye shall live also. You see, the promise of eternal life, the promise of heaven, the reason we can believe that is because Jesus said, Because I live, you'll also live. Because I defeated death, you also will defeat death. You see, that's not true for everybody in here. Hebrews 9.27 says, For he is appointed unto man once to die, and after this is the judgment. And what you do in that judgment and how you come out in that judgment is so important. You see, the Bible says there are two judgments. There's a judgment for those that have Christ in their life that we call them Christians or believers, but there's also a judgment for the unbelievers. And you see, the unbelievers will never see life. The Bible says that those that did not believe, the unbelievers, it says in Revelation, 
it says that they were cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 21, verse 8 says, But all the unbelieving were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. You say, the way that you, uh, you avoid that, the way that you don't go through the second death is by having life. And Paul said, I believe that I am confident in this because God has promised it to me. But not only was he confident because of the promises of God, he was confident because of the Spirit of God. Look at verse number 5 there in 2 Corinthians. He says in verse number 5, Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God. All right. In other words, he who gave us and promised us eternal life is God, who hath also given us the earnest of the Spirit. That means the promise of the Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit of God in you and me. You can be confident by faith in what God has said and promised, and you can be confident that God will do it because of his Spirit that is in you. The spirit that dwells in us. I gave you the illustration last week of what we call an engagement ring. When someone gets engaged, right, they give that girlfriend that ring. And that ring, when they put it on, doesn't make them married in that moment. But what it does do is it signifies a promise of this young man to this young lady saying, I promise to you to marry you. And from her to him, it's saying, she says, I promise to wait for that day. That would be called an earnest. And you see, God has said, you can have confidence and live your, your life even through the uncertainty of death because there is a promise that has been made to you through the Holy Spirit of God. And that Holy Spirit of God has given us that promise, the earnest, if you will, that's why John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And we find in the uncertainty of death, Paul was confident because of his faith. Listen, I, I don't know what uncertainties you're going to face, but let me tell you something. The first thing that you need to do when you face an uncertainty of life is be confident in the promise that God has given you, and be confident by the Spirit of God living in you. But I want you to notice, secondly, his labor was by faith. Not only was his confidence by faith in the uncertainty of death, but the uncertainty of life itself. Not what happens after I die, but what happens before I die. What happens in the uncertainties of life? I want you to notice what he says. Look there in your Bibles. Verse number, number nine, he says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You see, Paul's aim in life was not to be the guy that no one hated. And I love that. If you look in verse number 11, you see that uh, his aim is in that knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. He says, for we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory of, on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them with glory to appearance and on heart. For whether, he says, 13, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is for God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. Paul is saying, listen, my aim here is that God would be accepted of me. 
that what I do would be acceptable to God. You see, the labor that he was doing was all by faith. There in your notes, I want you to notice that his labor was by faith in serving the Lord, in serving the Lord. Paul knew there would be coming a time when there was going to be a judgment. He tells them, there's a judgment coming. And whether you did good, you, you are, you're alive, or whether you did bad, you will have judgment over that. Now, we live in a world that wants to deny that. We live in a world that says, well, I don't even believe God exists. You know, it really doesn't matter if we believe he exists or not. It's kind of like standing in the middle of a freeway and saying, I just don't believe that this truck is going to hit me. And you might stand there and there might be a few that swerve, but you stand there long enough and sure enough, there will be someone that comes by that doesn't see you that will take you out. Well, I just don't believe that it's that dangerous. Whether you believe it's dangerous or not, it's dangerous. And at some point, it's going to hit you. The consequences will arrive. And that's what it comes down to with the judgment of God. There's many that can say, oh, I don't really believe God exists. Well, whether you believe he exists or not, the Bible says there is a judgment coming. And it's not dependent upon if you believe God exists or if you believe that God does not exist. And I could go through many of the evidences that show and reveal that God exists. But, you know, I found that facts really are these things that some people like to believe and some people don't like to believe. Uh, facts aren't going to prove if God exists in the mind of a person or not. Faith is what does that. We find that in the uncertainty of life, in the uncertainty of serving God, God uh, Paul said, listen, when I serve God, I do it by faith. Look what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Paul told Timothy, Listen, as you labor, as you do, as you serve God, just do it by faith. Anything in that judgment that's going to count for good on your account must be done by faith. Do you know that you are not impressing God tonight from being, for being here? Now, I'm glad you're here. And I'm somewhat happy and impressed that you decided on a Wednesday night to be at church. I think that's a great thing. But God's not impressed. God's not impressed or... Nor is he... Just kind of like, whoa, I can't believe they're there just because of that. You're not check mark on your account going, oh, you did a good thing, even though coming to church is a good thing. You see, because Jesus said anything that's done out is not good. In fact, the Bible says without faith, you, can, you can't please God. Even if you're coming to church, if you're coming to church with faith in your heart, if you're not coming to church as an act of faith, then it's not pleasing to God. Homeless and not please God. Uh, you can help those that are in hunger and not please God. You can give away your money and not please God. The Bible says anything that is done outside of faith is not good. Let me tell you something. You can share the Lord with others, and if it's not by faith, it doesn't please God. 
I want you to notice that Paul is saying here, first, in serving the Lord, he was doing it by faith. But in sharing the Lord, he also did that by faith. Notice what he's telling there in, in verse number, uh, number 13, or in verse number 11. Verse number 11 says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, in other words, knowing that there's a judgment coming, he says, we persuade men. In other words, I'm sharing with others, hey, there's a judgment coming. And I'm doing it not by any other means than by faith in what God is doing. By faith in what God has said. You see, faith leads us to tell others of Christ. But you can tell someone, and if it ain't in faith, listen, nothing's going to happen. Our labor, okay, that is what we do. Labor is the actions. Our work for God doesn't matter not one bit if it's done without faith. Uh, you guys are, are the future ushers and Sunday school teachers, and some of you are already helpers in our Sunday school, and some of you already get involved in ministries of this church. But let me tell you, in the ministry that you're serving in, if you're not doing it with faith, listen, you're not doing anything. It's not counting for anything. Uh, Paul says, you got to do it by faith. In the uncertainties of life, okay, what am I going to do with my life? Listen, whatever you do, do it by faith. Paul said, I am confident in the uncertainty of death that I can face that by faith. The uncertainty of life, the different situations, Paul was beaten, he was put in prison more than three times. Paul knew what it was to be starved. Paul knew what it was to be uh, beaten beyond recognition. The Bible says at one point he was stoned. They, they thought he was dead. They left him outside the city. Paul said, I, I know what all that is. And he said, I, I had to do all of that by faith. Let me just say, and let me encourage you tonight, young people, whatever you do for God in school, the work that you do for God, do it by faith this year. Do it by faith. Believing what God has said. And I want you to notice lastly tonight that Paul says, my ministry, his ministry was by faith. You see, while labor deals with what you and I do, ministry deals with the purpose behind those actions. Ministry has the purpose of pleasing God. And God had given Paul a purpose. His purpose, first of all, was to reconcile the world. Look at there in verse number 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. In other words, it motivates us. It, it moves us forward because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. And rose again. In other words, because Christ died for me, now I live for him. And then he says in verse 17, If therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I've become a new person. God has given me a new life. And then he says, And all things are of God, who has held us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, that word seems like a really big word, reconcile. Reconcile is a very easy word. It means to exchange. Now, how many of you guys have at least been to Mexico at least one time? Awesome. All right. How many of you have done shopping in Mexico before? Great. How many of y'all have done shopping with Mexico pesos? Awesome. With Mexican money. All right. Awesome. 
whenever you go into Mexico, if you have American money, you go to the exchange houses, right? And what you do is you give your $20 or whatever American money you have, and what they'll do is they'll give you back in Mexican currency the equal amount, right? Uh, and so right now, I don't know what it was. The last time I checked, it was like 20 pesos for every dollar. So if you had $20, they're giving you 400 pesos, basically, right? And then you can go there in Mexico, and then you can shop. You can buy milk. You can do whatever. What they did is they reconciled your money. They exchanged your money. That's what the word means, exchange. Now, here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, God exchanged us. You say, well, how did he exchange us? Here's what God did. God sent the Lord Jesus Christ to come to this earth to die for sins that he never committed, but sins that you and I committed. And that's why Paul says, for we, 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 we know that one died for all. There was one person that died for the sins of the world, and his name was Jesus Christ. And he says, now we reconcile that one died for all. Now all those that he died for, those that have put their faith in him, those that have received his salvation now are to live for him. And now we have this purpose. And he says, what is the purpose of this life, this ministry? It's of reconciliation. It's giving the message of the exchange. What's the exchange? The exchange of a dying, worthless sinner to exchange that dying, worthless life for a new life. A new life in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have died. They've passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You've exchanged. God exchanges our worthless life for his new life. That's the exchange. That's the ministry that Paul says, that's what he's called us to. Now, listen, Paul knew that not everybody was going to believe. I've talked to many people and tried to share with them that message, and there's many that laughed at me. There's many that said, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I believe that. There's many that said, I'm not ready to make that decision. Listen, I don't share the gospel, and you should not share the message of reconciliation, believing, oh, everybody's going to make a decision then and there. Not everyone does. In fact, sometimes you'll find that most people don't. But you see, we're not to give this message of reconciliation based on are they going to receive it or not. We do it because it's what we've been called to do. That's the purpose of our life. If you've been made a new creature, if you've been born again, let me tell you something. Your ministry, the purpose for which God saved you is to give that message to others. So let me tell you, when you go to school tomorrow, whether you're in math class or history class or science class, whatever class you're in, or whatever sport you're playing, whether you're in band or whether you're in basketball, whatever it is that you're doing, just remember what your purpose is. Oh, my purpose is to get good grades. No, I hope you get good grades. My purpose is to play my instrument better than anyone else. Listen, I hope you play your instrument very well. But God said your purpose is the ministry of reconciliation. So what I want to challenge you young people is this year, take that purpose and live it out. So I got I to tell somebody, you know that God gave his son, he exchanged his son for your life. He sent his son 
to die so that you might be his son. What an amazing exchange. What an amazing message, what we've been called to give to others. The ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of telling people, listen, there is an exchange that has happened. And God exchanged his only son so that he might buy you or me. So that instead of having to have death as our final destination, we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And Paul said, you know, this this ministry, do it by faith. You say, it's all by faith. Faith to give that message of reconciliation, and lastly in your notes, to reach the world. I love what Paul says. He said, we have this uh, this ministry, we have this purpose, And then he says in verse number now then, okay, because we have this ministry, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is someone, a representative from one country that goes and lives in another country and represents the country he came from. The United States has ambassadors all over the world. And in fact, most of the time, if you're in another country and something happens, right, they tell you as a citizen, you need to go to the consulate, all right, and talk to your ambassador about what to do. If you live in another country and you want to come to this country, you've got to go and talk to your ambassador. And, hey, what visa, what paperwork do I have to fill out? The ambassador there is to represent the United States. Whatever country you go to, there is a consulate. And there is there an ambassador for the United States that represents the United States. Paul says, you know, now that we've been reconciled, now that we have new life, we have a purpose to give that message to others. Now, knowing that that's your purpose, he says, now go and reach the world. Now you become an ambassador. Now go where others cannot go. Go where others will not go. I've said this many times. Listen, I went to a a Palmview High School game this last uh, Friday, I went to go watch Javi as he was playing football, and some of you guys went with me. And I'm looking around, I'm looking in the stands, and there was probably, I don't know, maybe four or 500 people at the game. And I thought about it. I thought about all these kids, and I thought, you know, I'll never see them in history class or math class or any class. I never will. I'll never have the opportunity. I'm 35 years old. They're not going to accept me at Palmview High School as a student. It's just not going to happen. But you know, there's some of you guys in here that do go to Palmview. Can I just tell you, you're an ambassador. There are places that I can never go. You'll meet, you'll meet people that I'll never meet. Those that go to Edinburgh, those that go to Westaco, those that go whatever school you're going to, let me tell you something, there's, there, there are places that I can't go. So my encouragement to you is be an ambassador. Just by faith go and say, i got to reach people. I got to give them this message. I like what Acts, Paul said in Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my, my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Uh, Paul said, Nothing's going to move me from this. He said, By faith, I'm moving forward. Yeah, whether it's uncertainty about death, 
whether it's uncertainty about life, whether I'm not sure about what I'm called to do. Paul says, listen, there's one thing I'm sure of. It's the purpose of my life. It's the purpose for why God saved me. It's to give that message of reconciliation and to share it with as many as I can. This year of 2019 and 2020, I want to challenge you to live that Christian life by faith. The uncertainties that you'll face in this school year, listen, confront them by faith. Be confident in the promises of God. Do the work of God by faith. Remember the purpose that you have and live it out by faith. As I promise you, young people, if you can decide tonight that by faith you will do that, I'm telling you, you'll see the blessings of God in your life. You'll feel the joy and the happiness that comes with living that kind of life. Listen, you cannot live the Christian life without faith. What am I going to do about those situations that are difficult? Don't walk by sight, walk by faith. Just live it by faith. I want to encourage you young people, do that. Make the decision tonight. I'm going to live this school year of 2019 and 2020 by faith. I want my purpose to be by faith. I want my work to be by faith. I want to be confident in the faith that God has given me.